Uh, my heart is, is heavy for this message this morning, and this is just a, uh, just I felt the Lord just leading us just to go through a few verses um, to paint uh, a picture of basically of who we are before Jesus Christ. And this is not something that we think about a lot. It's not something that we, we consider. Um, and, and when we do think about it, and when we do hear about it, uh, to be honest, a lot of, a lot of uh, what modern religion has portrayed over the, the past few generations is, is frankly, uh, some of it, a lot of it's just wrong. It's unbiblical. And then a lot of it is incomplete. It's not sufficient. Um, and, and what you do is when, when you take away from the, uh, or you make incomplete or, or insufficient who you are before Christ, naturally and a natural consequence of that is you will have an insufficient view of Jesus and what Jesus has done in this life. And, and, and this morning, I just, I just felt an overwhelming urge to simply just teach through a few verses and, and to have this picture that the Holy Spirit is trying to, to paint for us in Romans for us to see that, and there is beauty in that, and the gospel rests within that, and, and I think that the Lord has, has something special planned for today, um, and so I'm going to pray one more time, and, and then we're going to go ahead and get scarred. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, just for everything that you have done, God, in our lives. I thank you, Father, for just bringing us to this very moment, Lord, just for the worship, God, just for your presence during worship, Father, just the, the reality of being able to say that we just worshiped in the presence of a living God, Father, is, is mind-blowing to me. And I pray, Father, that you will continue uh, throughout the next few minutes, Father, just let the Holy Spirit lead us in our hearts and in our minds and in the words, Father. Let every word be clothed with power from heaven, Father. Just pierce the deepest part of our hearts and minds this morning and speak to us in your name. Amen. So Romans 1, we're just going to go through this uh, really fast. It's going to be a little bit different, but I just, there's, a, there's just a heaviness, and I just feel like the Spirit wants to teach us something this morning. Romans 1, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. He says there is the, the wrath of God is being revealed. It's not going to be revealed. Uh, it, it, it's not a future thing. This is something that's happening right now. It's been happening. It's always happening. It's continually happening, this wrath. Wrath just means a, a settled uh, disposition, an anger disposition towards something. There's, there are these two concepts, ungodliness and unrighteousness. God has set himself against those two things. And all that fall under those things. And, and, and the word ungodliness, you know, a lot of times when we think about ungodliness, we think about acts, like ungodly acts. We think about, about sinning or, or breaking commandments. And we, we think about some of these things. But the reality of that word ungodliness, it just simply means a bold irreverence towards God. It, it, it means a dishonor, a disrespect. It's not attributing the honor to God that he deserved. That, that's what that word means. Now, out of that, you can do some pretty heinous things in this life. But the reality of what God said, my, my wrath is re being revealed against ungodliness. It's not just the acts. It's, there, is a, there is a level of disrespect, a level of dishonoring. Something has taken place. Something has happened uh, in the human heart and the human mind that has ultimately disrespected, dishonored, not glorified God, not attributed to God uh, the worth of who he really is. And God has set himself against that. And then it says, and unrighteousness. And I'll show you in just a minute that unrighteousness comes out of ungodliness. He says, then there's unrighteousness. And unrighteousness is just simply, this is super theological. It's crazy. You got to go to school for 30, 40, maybe 50 years to figure this out. 
But righteousness is just simply what is right. Did you guys get that? I'm letting it sink in for a minute. Because everybody, we look at words like, I mean, it just, righteousness is what's right. Unrighteousness is not right. You hear me? All right, this isn't, this is not like some, like this deep, you know, we've got to write a 40-page paper, all right? God said, this is what I approve as right in the world that I created, and anything apart from that isn't right, and that's unrighteousness. And it's important that we understand that simple definition because in just, just a, a, a few minutes, we're going to see something powerful about this. And it says that this unrighteousness, when, when unrighteousness is in our lives, when we're, when we're living uh, outside what God says is right, he says this unrighteousness of men, this unrighteousness of women, this unrighteousness of humanity, that it actually suppresses the truth. And I don't want you to just look at that because you can't look at that word like truth and lie, like I tell the truth or I tell a lie. That word truth, it's, it means reality, as in like reality versus illusion. So what it says, and I don't want, because Paul's making a statement here, and then he spends the next few verses explaining this, and it opens up uh, our heart and our mind to something deep about ourselves. And the Holy Spirit is trying to paint a picture so that we can see the fullness of who we are and where we come from. And he says that, that there is a, a wrath that God has settled against this ungodliness, this dishonoring of God, uh, this, and this unrighteousness. And this unrighteousness is actually suppressing the truth, the reality of God. And when you suppress the reality, or you suppress the truth, or you suppress what's real, the only thing you have left is deceit, an illusion, a house of cards, something that is not real. Paul is beginning, the Holy Spirit through Paul is beginning to paint a picture of, of reality and illusion. Something that's real and something that's counterfeit. Something that is truth and full of truth and something that is a lie and full of deceit. And he, he goes on, the, the very next scripture, he begins to, uh, not God doesn't have to justify, but he begins to explain why all of humanity is without excuse. He says, for what can be known about God is made plain to them because God makes it plain. He shows it to them. He goes on to say, from the, the dawn of time, from the beginning of time, through the, all the created things, from the day that God created the world, there's been two things that have been clearly perceived by humanity, and that is his eternal power and his divine nature. So they're without excuse. What this means, and I know this is complicated, and I know that we get lost in this sometimes, but, but this is like, this is just simple logic right here. I see something that's created, and that is evidence of what? A creator. I see the world. I see the mountains. I see the ocean. I see, I see the atmosphere. I see the, when, when technology caught up to God, we've been able to explore uh, beyond our world. And we've, we've seen the solar system. And we've seen the planets. And we, we've seen the sun. And we've seen the galaxies. And we've seen the ever-extending universe. And we look at all of that. And we see all, all that is. And then we say, we know in our hearts, we know in our minds, there is a God. There is a creator. When you, when you look at humanity and you look at the earth and you look at the sun and you look at the moon and you look at the stars, there is a deep level of foolishness that looks at the fine-tuning of this earth, the deep evidence that exists all throughout science, the overwhelming things that point to an intelligent designer to look at all of that and go, it all happened by chance, is absolute foolishness. Even Charles Darwin himself 
the father of evolution, the creator of evolution. He said, there it is. I will never be able to discount the idea of an intelligent designer because the wondrous of this world, the odds of it are incalculable that it all happened by chance. He lived in the 1800s and he talked weird. So, But what that means is even himself, he goes, I look into all the world, I see all of the things, and the, that all of this originated from nothing and by chance and by accident. I, I, I will never be able to totally discount an intelligent designer. And God says, for this very reason, every one of us is without excuse because when we, we see, we live, the great philosopher, I don't know, who, the, uh, the guy who said, I think, therefore I am. Right, we hear that, that's the, you go into any philosophy class, that's one of the first things you I think all that means is this. You open your eyes, you're alive, you exist, something created you. You have thoughts in your brain, it's because someone created a brain for you. You breathe because someone gave you breath. You didn't create yourself. This didn't happen by accident. This didn't happen by chance. The world didn't form. And this is one thing I, I say to the, I, I study science, I love science. I know that there's tons of evidence to microevolution. If you don't know anything about science, don't freak out. There is zero evidence of macroevolution, none whatsoever, all right? And when we, we put all of these things together and we, we see all of this stuff and then we begin to paint this picture that it all happened by chance, the thing that I like to say to that, 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 that evolutionist, that extreme atheist, I go, you know, the thing that first formed out of the thing, where'd that thing come from? And their entire faith, it's a faith, dissolves. It takes truly, and I want you to hear me, it takes true faith, more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God. There is supreme, overwhelming evidence that there is a creator. And it speaks to the darkness and the foolishness of the human heart and mind to see the vastness of the ever-extending universe and go, accident. And God says, for this reason, you are without excuse because everything, who I am, my eternal power, you, the reality of my existence, the reality of my great nature, the reality that I am greater than you because I created you, that I stand outside of time, I'm eternal because time didn't start until I told it to. I am great, I am powerful, I am God. And when you see the world and you see the earth and you see the systems and you see the way I created and you see the way it's fine-tuned and you see the perfection of all of it and you see the way you put an apple seed into the ground and an orange tree never grows, that there is purpose behind everything and I am that creator he says because you see that you know that in your heart of hearts in the deepest part of who you are that's why 99.9 percent .9 of all of humanity has believed in God that's why every culture every group every people every race all of it have a religion because all of them know there's something greater than me out there there's something greater than me out there And he keeps going. He says, for although they knew God, although they were aware of God, although they see all the evidence, although that there is this concept, they know that there's something greater. He said, they know God, they're aware of God. He said, but they do not honor God as God or give him thanks. He said, you, you have within yourself, and I, I, what Paul's doing, he's laying the groundwork to paint a full reality of who we are outside of Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to understand something. When you become aware of God, the idea of God, but you don't glorify him as God or honor him as God, 
then that is the ultimate act of ungodliness, the ultimate act of irreverence, the ultimate act of disrespect, the ultimate act. It, it, it's when you, 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 you're living in the world he created, and you are aware that there is a creator, but you choose to worship or glorify or honor something else more than God. It's an ultimate act of disrespect. He said, and you don't give him thanks. You breathe because he gave you breath, but there, there, there's not a moment in time in, in life when you're just like, I'm just so thankful that the creator of the universe created me. And I, I, I'm just going gonna, gonna to glorify him, and I'm going to honor him, and I'm going to chase him, and I'm going to go after him because he is great, he's powerful, he's, he's what life is about. We, we, we don't do that. Instead, what we do is this. Every single human, every single person in all the earth, you have within yourself, I call it the highest honor award, the highest honor chip, the highest honor trophy, whatever you want to call it. It's the highest honor. It's the highest value. It's the most valuable thing. And you lay that at the feet of something. At all times, right now in this moment, every single person in this room, you have in the deepest part of your heart something that you believe is the most valuable thing in the universe. And if you have laid that at the feet of anything other than God, you have disrespected him on a level that you cannot imagine. I mean, how do parents act? Just yesterday, I'm sitting at the house with my parents and, 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 and little Aubrey's in there playing and she's doing something and I corrected her and I said no and she turned around and did this right here. Shh, Dad. Mm. Calm myself down, walked over. Immediately, the tone was wrath. She was aware of it, and she went into cute mode. She goes waddling over there, hops up on my knees, and she's, as I'm talking, she's just trying to kiss me. She's like, if I can just kiss him on the lips, he'll smile, and this will all be over. She's like, and I correct her. And I put, what? That was the ultimate act of disrespect. I mean, I'm her father, and she's got the gall to tell me, shh, shut up. I'll smack you right now. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> it's so hard to discipline her, man, because she just, she's, tears well up, and then I'm just like, we'll buy you a pony, baby. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, should, I shouldn't even have said anything. You can, you can catch that on fire. Go ahead, keep going. But it's an ultimate act of disrespect. Here's the thing. You understand this in life, in every other realm of life. Soldier disrespects, the general gets punched in the throat. You disrespect the laws, you get arrested. You go to your parents, they beat you senseless. Well, not in this day and age because we don't love our kids enough to discipline. We just let them go out and raise themselves. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Sorry about that. But we get this. We get this in every other area of life. But what, what, what seems so unusual to me is, is that is the, it's so difficult for the human mind and the human heart to understand. We are created. There is a creator. And so my life is a result of him. He is the greatest. He is the, he is the there's nothing greater than him, nothing more better than him, nothing, nothing more powerful than him. Everything is for him. It's about him. That, that's the truth. But what we do is we're aware of him. And then we take that highest honor value and we, we start looking down from eternity, down from the greatness of God, looking in all of creation, looking at humans and looking at animals and looking at buildings and looking at ideas and looking at philosophy and looking at, at things to achieve and things to build. And we start looking at things that are going to bring us pleasure. And we, we start to take that highest value, that highest honor, and we place it at the feet of something in creation and is the ultimate disrespect to God. And in the same way, you would not take that. Someone cuts you off in traffic, and you will lose your mind. 
But somehow we just can't seem to fathom the disrespect that we show God with our just normal existence. He said, so instead of that, he said, we became futile in our thinking and our foolish hearts were darkened. Now, this is the point of the service where you will regret coming to church. It's going to go and throw that out there. For the next few minutes, you will be offended, and there's no way I can help that, and nor do I care that much, just to be honest with you. So I need you to just hang tight. What this says, he says, instead of, 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 of like, a, like, a, like a normal, logical, I am created, and the creator, therefore the creator is, is the great, he's greater than me, he's better than me, he's, he's, a, he's the thing to live for. Instead of that, you, you, you lowered it, and you begin to put that highest value on something different, and he said, and because of that, two things took place. Right, your, your thinking, your back and forth reasoning became aimless and pointless, and I'm going to explain that in just a minute. What that means is that the way that you think about life, have you, ever, you ever been in an argument like the one you were on on the way to church with your spouse? Like you're just, you're sitting there and they're thinking about something and you're thinking about something and you're trying to come to the conclusion and you're going back and forth and back and forth. That, that's called thinking. That's called reasoning. We don't do it enough, but that's what we do. You think back and forth, you reason, and he says, your mind can do nothing but produce pointless thoughts and aimless thoughts. You could not come up with, in your mind, you could not come up with the right direction if you tried. You couldn't, whatever your mind produces, this is the offensive part, just hold on to it. It gets, well, it gets really bad here in a minute, but then it gets good. Everything you produce in your mind is stupid. It's pointless. It's aimless. You can't come up with anything to do. That's what it says. I've just, I have to teach you what it says, and that's what it says. So I, I thought about maybe all of us just raising our hand and saying a pledge. My mind is, no, but I, I just... And if like anybody would play along, so I didn't want to do that. He said, but then your, your foolish hearts were darkened. And, and just to reiterate the offensiveness of it, he says, your hearts, you're foolish in your heart. Now, this is the part, this, the more prideful you are, the more this is going to sting. All right? But what this means is, is that your foolishness really means you could have all the evidence in front of you and not be able to come to the right conclusions. For a detective, you could walk into a room, have a man holding a gun, smoke coming out of it, dead body on the ground, bullet holes with a shirt that says, I just shot this person, and you couldn't figure out what happened. That's what foolishness is. You could have all the evidence of God before you and not come to the conclusion of who God really is. Your hearts are foolish. You, you could not, you could not, do you want me to keep going or you get it? You get it? We good? We can move on? Nobody? You're still lost in deceit and arrogance and we're good? Okay. Mind pointless, heart foolish. Now he explains to you why. Why is your mind pointless and why is your heart foolish? He says because, read this, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Now, I want you to listen. All of the lusts of the heart, I mean, we, we, we give lust such a bad name. All right, and it, it is, it's a pretty bad thing. But the, 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 just the, sh the shortest definition of it, the most accurate definition of it, the, the first word means focused, and the second word means passionate desire. And when you put them together, you get this concept of lust. It just means a focused, passionate desire, focused on a passionate desire. 
And it says that this is, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit is writing through Paul to explain you. That you in your heart, your heart is the center of who you are. It's the, they call it the desire producer, the things that produce. When you wake up in the morning, you go, hmm, I want to go do this. That's your heart. That's who you are. It's your soul. It says in your heart, you had, the, remember, the, the highest honor chip. You placed that at something else. In your heart, you desired and you focused on something other than God. In your heart, you said there is something in this life that is going to bring me more joy, more pleasure, more contentment, more satisfaction than the God who created me. You said there's something worth chasing more than God. There's something in this earth, on this earth, there's an idea, there's something within creation that I desire more than I desire the God who created me. It's better than God. That's what you said in your own heart. And God then handed you over, gave you up in that heart, in your heart, in that desire that you chose. This very simply, you said, life is about this. And God said, goodbye, enjoy that. That's the wrath. He pulled himself out of your heart. He pulled all of God out of your heart and he handed you over to the thing that you told but you spit in God's face by saying life is about this. Life is about this. This is what life's about. This is what's pa this is what's good. This is what's great. This is what will give me pleasure. This is what will give me joy. This is what will give me contentment. It's not God, it's this. And he said in that moment he gave you up. He handed you over to that desire and now there was no limitation on how far you would go in this life. And he pulled it. And he said, for that reason, your heart became foolish. He goes on, he says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is the thought. I really want you to hang on to this. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read this in the Greek because it's different. It says, who changed the truth of God into the falsehood or in the sphere of the falsehood? It's a different connotation. If you have a truth and you exchange it for a lie, you're just trading it. He goes, this is a truth and this is a lie, and I'm going to take the truth and I'm going to exchange it over here and I'm going to take the lie. That's not what it says. What it says is it says that you, when you put your, you, you set in your heart and in your mind, there is something in this creation better than God, greater than God, worth more than God. There's something that will bring me more joy, something that will bring me more pleasure. And when you disrespected and dishonored God in your heart and he gave you up in that, you left the reality of God and you left the reality of true life and you left the reality of the world that God, the life was supposed to be God the creator creates humanity out of love and humanity finds the worship and the joy and serving and glorifying God and there is just a beautiful cycle of joy and contentment and satisfaction and love and feelings and emotions that we could not comprehend in this lost world. That was the reality of what was supposed to be but you looked into creation and you said there's something in this earth, something on this earth better than, greater than, brings more joy to God and you stepped out of the reality of God and the reality that God created and the way things were supposed to be and you stepped into an illusion into a deceit, into a false reality and into a lie you stepped into that falsehood when you chose to worship and serve that other thing and not only did you do that but then you took the idea of God and the reality of God you brought it with you into the falsehood and then you begin to change the reality of God to fit the lifestyle that you wanted to live in your wickedness 
That's why you can, the human mind can justify genocide. Why the human mind can justify breaking every law of God. Why the human mind can justify murder and justify rape and justify the deep, dark sins of this world is because you left the reality of God and the presence of God and the power of God and the righteousness of God and the fullness of God and you stepped into a falsehood and into a reality and then you took the idea of God with you and you watered it down and you you shaped it and you molded it and you transformed it into your own view of God so that you could live whatever life you decided to live. That's what every single person in this room has done in their own way. Not one of you is innocent of this. All of us are guilty of this reality. Saying something is worth more, something is better, something is greater, and you stepped in out of the reality and the presence and the knowledge of God into this illusion, into this. Remember the very first scripture in 18. It's the unrighteousness that suppresses, holds back, holds down truth or reality. And then you alter God to fit in me whatever you want him to mean. He can take the form of any God, any idol, any concept, anything. You just alter it, change it, move it so that you can live the life that you want to live. And he said he's handed you over to that. He goes on and says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And I'm going to read it to you in the Greek because, again, this is different. This says to acknowledge God, but that's not what it says. It says, and this is the same scripture, and as they saw fit not to have God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a depraved mind to do things not fitting. That word depraved, it literally just means one thing. It means disapproved, not approved, failing to pass the test because it's counterfeit, because it's not real. Meaning that if you, were to, if you were to check something out, it looks real, but then when you check it out, it doesn't get approved of it. It fails the test because it's not real. It's counterfeit. The band can go ahead and come up here. So I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to understand the, the picture that God's painting. The picture the Holy Spirit is, is, is teaching us through Paul. Think about the words that he used. He said, you you have suppressed the truth. You've suppressed the reality of God, the reality of the way things were supposed to be. You've suppressed the righteousness of God. You've suppressed all the realities of God. You've chosen your heart and in your mind to value something more than God, worship something more than God, serve something more than God. You've given your life to the culture, to the creation. You've You've stepped out of the reality of God into a falsehood, into an illusion. Now you've made God mean to you whatever you want it to mean so you can live the lifestyle that you live lived and then you did not see fit to have the knowledge of God in your mind it wasn't important to you what you wanted you wanted any other thing but the knowledge of God you didn't want to know God you didn't want to know God's name you didn't want to know God's thoughts you didn't want to know God's ways you you did not see fit to know anything about God and so God then handed you up to that he handed you over he he gave you up he said you don't want to know anything about the reality of of me. You don't want to know the reality of my knowledge, the reality of who I am, the reality of what I've done. You don't want to know the reality of my thoughts and my ways. Okay, then I'll remove truth. I'll remove me. I'll remove life, and I will give you up to a counterfeit mind. That's why your mind is pointless. That's why you, you could not go the right way if you wanted to. And then it says, because of these realities, you're being filled 
You're being filled with all manner, all kinds, all unrighteousness, wickedness, covetedness, and malice. This is the thing I want you to understand. And I want you to hear me this morning. We have within the modern religious world, especially in modern America, we have a very uh, improper, evil, humanistic view of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We even, we even hear it taught in churches, that this, this, this right here, all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And the way we present that to people is we go, you know, you can be 99% good. But if you have 1% wrong, then you need Jesus. You need a Savior. You, you, can, you can live your whole life perfect and do all kinds of good things. But if you sin once, then you need Jesus. And I know you're almost perfect and you're super special. But if you've, if you've even told the slightest little white lie, then you need Jesus Christ. That is not the gospel. That is not the gospel whatsoever. The gospel of Jesus Christ paints this picture of humanity. It says that God created you, and like a common spoiled brat, you spit in his face, you chose to value something in creation over him, you saw fit to know any other thing you could know except for the knowledge of God, you said there's something, there's somebody, someone, something in this earth that is better than God, greater than God, brings more pleasure than God, brings more contentment than God. You said in your heart, you said in your life, this is it, something else is this. And God gave you over to that. And it said that you stepped out of reality. You stepped out of the presence and the power of God. You stepped out of the fullness of who God is into a false reality where your mind is counterfeit, not real, so broken, you could not come to the conclusion if you tried. Your heart is darkened because he's removed the light. Your heart is foolish. You couldn't figure things out if you want. And now you're roaming around life, blind, deaf, and dumb, and you don't even know it. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? I want you to imagine that this is, we have this, this religious, humanistic view that, that we're super good people who've made some mistakes, and so we need to do the church thing in order to get off. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are not a good person. You're not. There was never an ounce of goodness in you. Because when you chose to worship something in this creation and you chose to value something in this creation and you walked out of the reality of the presence and the power and the knowledge of God, you stepped into an illusion. It's like you're, you're walking around Chicago with a map of Charlotte thinking you got things figured out and you just simply don't. But you think you do, but you don't. It's like you're going to take a test and you've got a study guide, but it's a study guide for a different test and you sit down thinking you're about to nail it, but you don't have a shot because you are so deceived in your mind and in your heart that you have actually, I want you to understand this, the reality of human. A human mind can be alive for 15 to 30 years, see the vastness of the universe and truly believe in the arrogance of the human heart and the human mind that they have got life figured out. And then they begin to tell God what life is going to be like. And they begin to truly think they can go through life without the knowledge of the Creator. 
the real picture that the Holy Spirit is trying to bring to the knowledge of humanity is that you are absolutely hopeless, lost in the darkness of this world and in this culture, and you don't have a shot to get out. You have actually convinced yourself that life is about something as stupid as money. You have actually got, you have actually thought in your mind, you have actually laid out groundwork to achieve something that is worthless and, you, and you, you're super excited about it. Do you know what that word covetous actually means? It just means a desire for numerically more. Hashtag the American dream. You, you live your life, you go through life, and you, you act, I mean, the, the fullness of, I'm gonna break down most of your lives. You just simply believe life is about more. Life's about better, life's about greater. Born with a small house, die with a big house. Born with a Corolla, die with a Cadillac. All right, that's it. That's it, that's life. More, bigger, better. That's life to you, that's the fullness of it. You, you, you've painted this picture in your life, this picture in your mind, and you actually sitting here right now, there are people, I need you to hear me, because some of you are gonna die and spend the rest of your life in hell separated from God because of the arrogance of the human heart. You actually believe in your heart and in your mind right now that in your small amount of finite knowledge and years on this earth that you have figured life out and you are deceived like in the craziest way. And because we, we have this religious, American religious mentality that we're, there's a lot of part of us that's good. And, and you know what, I, I have told a little lie here and there and you know, I've done some stuff. So man, you know what, I, 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 can, I can accept, I'm humble. You're right, I, I probably do need Jesus. So I'm gonna go down to the front, and I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna go to church some, give them my money and, and, I, and I'm gonna do life. You're not saved. You're not saved at all. Knowing the name of Jesus, even believing in Jesus the person, a profession of belief in Jesus is not salvation. Now I know the church has told you that your whole life. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you have to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins and was raised to life again and then profess him as Lord of your life. That's what the Bible says. Not just believe in Jesus. Not even just to believe some concepts of the Bible. Not just believe in the idea of church and the idea of religion. It says that you have to believe that he died for your sins and was raised to life again. That he tasted and defeated death and was raised to life again and then make him the Lord of your heart. Remember the two things that are clearly perceived to all humanity. Do you remember? The divine nature and the eternal power. The thing that we denied God, we have to give to Jesus Christ. We have to say to Jesus Christ, in our hearts and in our minds, I don't just believe you existed. I don't just believe you walked the earth. I don't just believe you did miracles. I don't just believe that. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are the son of the living God, the Logos. You were with God in the beginning. You are God. You are with God. You came to this earth. You died on a cross for my sins and you defeated death and hell in the grave and you were raised to life and you are now the Lord of the universe. That is salvation. And the reason that is salvation is because 
as Romans 1, 18, all the way through 29, you are so lost in darkness that you could not even find your way out. You are so lost, and what makes you so lost is you don't even know you are lost. You are in darkness, and you will never find your way out on your own. You will never be able to put evidence together to find your way out. You will never be able to paint your own picture of salvation. You will never be able to do it. And you will keep committing your life to temporary worthless things until the day you die. And then you will spend eternity separated from God. This is why Jesus Christ had to come because of your lostness, because of your darkness. Why Jesus Christ had to come and say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You are so lost. You are so lost in darkness. I, you, you could not, if I had a million years and you had to sit in front of me and I had to explain to you how lost the heart of a human being is, I could never do it. You don't have a shot and you don't have a chance in this life. That's why God, out of his love, sent Jesus Christ light into darkness to give this message. I created you and I love you. And yes, you have disrespected me. You have sinned against me. You have, you have walked away from me, spit in my face, but out of my love, I'm sending my son and he's gonna die on a cross for you and he is gonna defeat death. He's gonna defeat sin. And if you will just put your faith in him and believe in him and trust that he has defeated sin, that he has defeated death, that he has raised to life, that he sits at the right hand of the Father. If you will just follow him, he is the way back out of that illusion and out of that darkness. He is the truth. He is the reality. And he is life, true life, abundant life, real life. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not that we were good people who've done some bad things. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that you are a wicked, arrogant, sinful, filled with all level of unrighteousness, all level of malice. There is no limit to the sin that you will commit and do in this life. This is not popular in American religion. There are people in this room right now who will leave and never come back because I'm sharing with you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you water down who you were before you met Christ, you will water down Christ. You are lost and wicked and evil as I was and as every person on the face of the earth throughout history was. And God sent his son to tell you, follow me out of that darkness. Follow me out of those addictions. Follow me out of that temporary worthlessness. Follow me out of that fake illusion that you call a life. Follow me into the reality of what life was supposed to be, a true, great, and abundant life. Put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. All that needed to be done is done. All you have to do is follow me out of this false, deceitful, counterfeit, demonic life and into true life. And when death does come on the other side, you will be in eternity with God Almighty forever. But I'm telling you right now, clap, don't clap, I don't care. There is a heaviness in my heart this morning. There is a heaviness in my heart this morning. This could be the very last moment that you could put your faith in Jesus and run it. Here's the thing I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit will make that clear to you. I can't do it. 
The Bible says there is power in the gospel. There's power in what I just said. There's power in just hearing the reality that you are lost, you are sinful, you are filled with wickedness. But Jesus Christ died for your sins, paid your debt completely, and all you have to do is put your faith in the power, the eternal power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It is not natural. It is not logical to our pointless, foolish minds. It is supernatural and it is powerful. It is real. Jesus Christ is real. Not the man, Jesus Christ, the God, the resurrected king of this universe. And if you feel that in your heart, do not leave this room without professing him as Lord, believing in your heart that he saved you from your sins, believing that he conquered death. I'm telling you right now, you will lay awake on your deathbed. And in that one moment, you will not have a single thought of all the things you care about right now. You will only ask yourself this question, what is on the other side of death? For those that have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, there is immense eternal separation and darkness forever. In just a few minutes, we're gonna worship. And there's a lot of you, you grew up in church and you said some prayer at some point in your life, but Jesus Christ is still not the Lord of your life. You've still got that highest honor award placed at the feet of something else. If you have that, if I'm telling you right now, hear me. If in your heart and in your mind you have got that, this is the most valuable thing in the universe, this is what life's about, and you have set that at the feet of anything other than Jesus, then Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, and you will die and go to hell forever. That's the reality of the gospel in Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He is the creator. He deserves every second of your life. It's in these moments that he calls us. But we don't answer in a single moment or in a single prayer. We answer with the fullness of our lives. In a single moment, he comes out of the light into the darkness and he reveals who he is to your heart and in your mind. And then you say yes, not just right now, but you say yes every second of every day for the rest of your life by professing him as Lord, worshiping him and serving him and walking with him. Jesus Christ is truly here this morning and he is calling your name. And if you don't have him, run to him. The Bible says all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. If there is even one this morning, call on him.